1: Okay, hey, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so happy to be here. And really psyched to have Neil Francis on the show. Uh, really happy that you're all here. If you're here for the first time on Roadcase to listen to Neil, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. I'm so happy that you're here, and thank you so much for your support. Uh, there's a couple different ways that you can help support Roadcase. First is to follow us on the socials. We are at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook—that is a great way to find out the latest about Roadcase. Uh, if you'd like to get involved with Roadcase by emailing me, uh, shoot me an email. I'm at info at roadcasepod.com. Would love to hear your comments, uh, suggestions, concerns, complaints, gripes, uh, happiness, whatever you have. Uh, maybe suggestions for guests. Thanks to everyone that sent those in, and I promise that I'll get back to everyone. If you'd like to hear more about the show, uh, you can visit. At our website. We're at www.roadcasepod.com. Another great way to help Roadcase and to support Roadcase is to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. If you're on iTunes or I'm sorry, Apple podcast, for example, uh, that little check mark up in the upper right hand corner, just hit that. Uh, If you're on Spotify, there's a little box that says follow, just hit that. And by doing so on either of those platforms, you will get notices when a new episode goes live. Also, uh, if you can rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, you just scroll down a little bit, see those little stars, hit a bunch of those. And if you could leave a review uh, with a few words, really does goes a long way to help road case. So if you like what you hear, uh, please help out by doing that. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you're all here for this episode. So I've got Neil Francis on the show. Neil is just an extraordinary human, really loved our conversation. He is an architecture student originally at University of Illinois at Chicago UIC, which is just down the street from where I'm at. Uh, And he's a Chicago native and um, his latest album, In Plain Sight, is just a wonderful, uh, amazingly personal work with a really amazing 70s vibe that is just simply remarkable Neil has struggled with depression, anxiety, uh, and struggled with alcohol early in his career. He really had a tough road early on in and out of rehab several times, uh, just about torpedoed his career early on. Um, But he's very open about his struggles and that just deserves so much respect. And Now being clean and sober, um, he's enjoying the success of this latest album and his new level of notoriety. And he really just has a level of gratitude, a new sense of purpose, gratitude, and an understanding and a level of maturity about where he is and why and really kind of how lucky he is and looking back on his prior struggles just give him that extra added level of perspective which is simply wonderful He's playing at Newport Folk this summer. Uh, he's going out on tour. Uh, he's out on tour right now. They're in the West, uh, the, the, the rest of this month, most of April, and a ton of in May. Go to his website, check out his tour dates. Just an extraordinary artist. I'm so glad to have him here, and I'm so glad that you're all here. Thanks again for your support. Thanks for being here. And I want to send a special thank you to my new friend, Neil Francis, for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Hey Neil, thanks for coming on Roadcase, man. So happy to have you. It's
2: uh, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: good to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm so so glad you're here. Uh, we're both in Chicago. I'm actually in the South Loop, hanging out, enjoying what I hope is the end of cold weather, right? I mean,
2: oh man, <clears throat> <laughs> I just, I could have walked over there, man.
1: Oh, really? Where, like, what neighborhood are you
2: in? I'm in, I'm in Pilsen. I'm on like 17th. Oh,
1: dude. So like when I saw you at Dahlia Hall, you like walked to the show?
2: Yeah, actually, (laughs) I walked home afterwards. Nice, nice. It was really nice to be able to do that. Yeah, for
1: sure, for sure. Oh, yeah, next time.
2: Although that was a cold night
1: uh yeah i can't There's so many fucking cold nights in chicago i can't differentiate yeah. one from the <laughs> yeah. other if you say it was cold that yeah. night and it was in the winter i fucking believe you <laughs> i just got back yeah. from mexico myself i was at like the mo- the my morning jacket one big holiday thing down there so
2: oh nice
1: trying not to go down the rabbit hole of ugh. i'm back in cold weather but you know just gotta stay busy right
2: yeah we got some snow coming our way it's good <sighs>
1: oh we do oh thank
2: character. thanks a
1: lot for telling me dude <laughs> um, so your latest album is so amazing. You've been doing s- so much stuff and playing everywhere and everyone's talking about you. And, um, uh, matter of fact, I, well, I wasn't going out to those shows. I'm a huge, my morning jacket fan, but you were supposed to play, you were scheduled to play the new year shows with them uh, headline, you know, uh, in support for one of those nights. That's super cool. Among other stuff you've been doing, but um, how's it been going in 2022 for you? Let's just start with like a general open. How are you feeling? Where's your head at? What do you, what do you, um, what's your, what are your thoughts on just what your are um, what you've, doing and accomplishing man talk to me
2: uh well 22 started off kind of weird because yeah. the whole band got COVID oh shit um, and fortunately, I think I was the only one with symptoms yeah um I don't want to speak directly for the guys but I I kind of I had a pretty mild case myself. Um, Yep. Good. But as a result, we like, you know, we, uh, we canceled our West Coast run that was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was on the heels of like Omicron really impacting attendance in the later part of. 2021, and just like you know, there was a lot of uncertainty, yeah. Uh, and then by the time like Talia Hall came around, that was like January 14th, um, already things were starting to look more optimistic. And you know, then we all went to Mexico to play with Wilco down there, and so that was just like a complete like reset um just in terms of my own positivity at least i think everybody in the band also benefited from that trip um but yeah it's been great um it's been really incredible like our last our last few runs have have been really well attended and um we're having a blast out there and i it got to stay um in Mexico for an extra few days with my girlfriend. And then, uh, we also were able to go out to LA for a while and I was doing some writing out there. And, um, so it's, it's been a really jam packed here so far, but it's been, uh, just incredibly fruitful yeah, so far.
1: For sure. And when you said like, it's a reset when you were, did sky, blue sky, like a reset in a positive way.
2: Yeah, yeah, Uh, because I was definitely feeling down, like, that first week of January, I was here in Pilsen alone, um, and I had COVID, and we canceled our dates, Mm -hmm. and we had to push our CBS, like, because we were going to do our CBS Saturday morning taping in early January too, and it was just, like, one thing after another, another was happening, and it just felt like Um, it felt like a a miniature version of that week in 2020 when things were shutting down and it was just like i let myself get freaked out you know and i tend to do that and that's kind of a a common thread i like to talk about just i just have like a an anxiety thing i think like most humans Mm -hmm. but uh I am particularly sensitive to, uh, to change and uncertainty. Yeah. And yeah. so like, I wanted to crawl under a rock and I was just like feeling really sorry for myself yeah, to be, yeah. to be honest as, as gross as that sounds. It's just like, um, I was really freaked out. And then, uh, and then we had the Talia hall show, which was like an amazing night. Yeah. Um, and then we had Mexico, which was like just such a incredible experience um, so you know building back it's it's been a great year so far, and uh yeah i'm just I'm so grateful that things seem to be you know trending towards um, people feeling comfortable seeing shows again, yeah, yeah,
1: so, yeah, I mean. Anxiety is a common um issue that a lot of people face I think and like clearly like the, if you're facing anxiety and you've recognized this and you've I'd like to talk about some of the issues that you face from a mental health struggle perspective um previously that it, it appeared that you had overcome quite a bit or we might not even be talking at this point um yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh it's 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 doubly difficult for those for any sort of for anybody with covid and that that had even occurred there's just so much going on and you can get so much into your head and then um it was almost like a groundhog day in january Mm -hmm. i'm not a performer but i personally thought kind of knew that this was going to be an up and down spike but if you're triggered by shows getting your own shows getting canceled and you're the one that's on the on the chopping block so to speak for lack of a better analogy it's got to be super difficult i'm sure that it was it was really hard but we're kind of back on the road to recovery so to
0: speak
2: yeah it feels good now and uh i have a lot less uh a lot less like worry about how things are going to play out yeah but that's just also just this kind of detachment i've been trying to practice mm. so mm.
1: detachment can that's only go open. so far I th- well when it's in a global pandemic detachment is difficult i think like on a personal and day-to-day nature sometimes it's good to detach from the things that you know can be negative and and mm-hmm. are triggers for your own self right <laughs> um, right how did you handle the original COVID situation? I mean, you guys were kind of on a tear with the, uh, with your prior album changes uh, on tour. And then this whole thing hit, how did you, how, how did you, did you manage in your head? How was your head at that time?
2: Well, it was kind of a slow, creeping doom (laughs) um, that time, because (laughs) of course we were all humanity that is was just it was day to day like how bad is this gonna be how long are things gonna be shut down and then months and months went by and it was clear that like yeah we're not gonna be back to this very soon (laughs) it's like that sense uh i think i benefited from the fact that that was such a slow moving disaster obviously it also happened suddenly but you know what I'm saying it's like the scope of it didn't become apparent immediately so it was like it was such a strange time I do remember vividly a discussion that I had with Mike Starr who's our bass player Mm -hmm. um, on the way back from Seattle which was our last date March 11th in 2020, uh, we were driving home, like everything had been canceled, uh, on, that was like on the books was like suspended indefinitely. Yeah. And, you know, there was like this uncertainty, but maybe some optimism. And then like Mike and I were just talking about like, all right, whatever the universe has planned for us right now. It's going to be better than what we had planned before. And like, I should have gotten that tattooed on the inside of my eyelids because I was like really prone to forget that, but he was right. And like, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to record in plain sight or if we did it wouldn't have been the same record it ended up being uh it was such an important time for me in particular just um the skill set i built during the pandemic and mm. the time i was afforded for writing and recording and it enabled us to achieve something that was really what i what i consider a level up from you know my first effort um and just I th- I think now I have built in this like uh better idea of what I'm capable of as a result of it uh in the studio at least. So interesting. I'm I'm super grateful for the the time it afforded us. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, time, a big chunk of time and you were able to take advantage of it. I mean that probably would have been the key you would have came out with a second album anyway. It's, I think it's all, Mm -hmm. do you think it's like a, just a good lesson as to how to deal with shit that life throws you and then continue to move forward. You've talked about that with your own prior struggles about Mm -hmm. shit, shit happens and there's always, it's always going to rain shit, but it depends on how you come out on the other end. Does that, does that seem right?
2: Yeah. As much as that mantra, I, I try to leave that. In, I I mean, it was so that, that was definitely like, it, it was kind of sink or swim for me at a certain point mm. during the pandemic, mm. especially like in 2020 over the summer. Um, I was really struggling with depression and just like feeling unmoored Yeah. and feeling like, uh, just scared. Really. I was scared and like depressed. And, um, from a per- that's when
1: a personal standpoint or professionally.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I think it was all kind of together. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and like I, fortunately, like I kind of have this tendency to turn towards, like the tools that I use in those times when I'm suffering mm. the most. And so I, I, built an even stronger practice with like meditation, for example, mm. um, has become really important for me, especially since that time. Um, but also just like building a community of musicians, uh, Around me, who are struggling with the same stuff, yeah, and like, I became connected with a great group there, and I don't know, like, there was a lot of beauty in that sorrow, so in
1: the sorrow or the ability like the, to the
2: pain, like in the in like the the pain of that time period, huh. like came a lot of like joyful. There are like a lot of, uh, byproducts. They're like, like really good things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. How does meditation help you?
2: Um, so I've gotten to the point now where it's sort of a thread. Like if I'm, if I'm practicing regularly, I can sort of take a backseat and observe some of these emotions mm. as they come up mm-hmm. and react to them more gently and be more gentle on myself. And that's uh, great. Man. And it's fucking great. Yeah. You know, probably have a lesser degree of suffering than I might've had. Yeah. And like also subject the people around me to less suffering. Cause that's what I do when I'm like, pissed or sad it's just like the people around me get that too you know
1: interesting interesting so if you can sit in your own self and just sort of like yeah because the point of meditation is like okay you can't stop your brain from thinking but you can stop taking it all in so hard and just observe it and then let it go observe it let it go observe it let it go it's very difficult to to practice i mean that's why it's called practice it's very difficult to put into To to use, it it takes a lot of practice to use, let's put it that way. Inelegantly said.
2: (laughs) Um, Uh, No, that's right on the money.
1: Yeah, totally, right? Um, Tell me about just, well, to give some historical perspective for listeners, uh, In Plain Sight just came out. And um, prior to that in 2019, you had the album changes. But let's go back a little bit. Before that, you were with a band called The Herd in twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. which is a Chicago based like instrumental band, right? And mm-hmm. you were on was it prior to that you were on tell me about the the time you spent uh in Europe when you were eighteen and with the band and there was some were there some issues with there or you had some, some, some personal issues and um struggled with alcohol at that time, depression. Um what was the what was that what was that impact
2: for you? Uh yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So, I think um, like the the bio that you might be referring to is like, yeah, like I, I toured Europe. I like I I did a couple.
1: Well, it's not only that; uh, it's like other things that have been written, and just like in the basic research that I've done about your background, it's it's. I, I absolutely, absolutely. No, no. It. I
2: just want to. I want to like flesh it out for sure because it's. Uh, this like, um, you know, I did go to Europe with uh, a, a local Chicago blues band, which I won't name mm-hmm. uh, because I, I don't want to embarrass them. <laughs> okay, uh, but like I was probably 23 that particular trip I was 23 and it was like a really pro gig for me and you know we got flown out put up in nice hotels and it was a first rate festival in Germany yeah um you know and like just my my mo back that was just like getting fucked up so like as soon as we hit the ground or like even on the plane and like in the Copenhagen airport on the way to Munich mm. and then like the mini bar and the hotel. And like, you know, I really embarrassed myself and uh, the people I was with. Um, and that was kind of like something that I did without even realizing how severe it was. And that's kind of like what my experience was like. And I got away with it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of perception versus reality, but like it got to the point where I just wasn't getting calls anymore because I wasn't able to show up or like if I showed up, I wasn't able to execute yeah. or so I was really in my own way. Um, I don't know if I'm rambling yet, but <laughs> I'm just Ramble like,
1: away, man. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to the thread. You were shitting the bed on, on stuff
2: and yeah, fucking shit up. absolutely. Dude, like yeah. literally and figuratively. Just like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, it was a wild time. It was like, because it was a slow creep there too. Like, uh, you know, the way I used to drink in high school and college, um, turning into like this thing that was like the main part of my life, uh, you know, uh, that happened without me even realizing it, you know? Uh, and then all of a sudden it was like, I needed to drink all the time and I couldn't envision any other way. And, um, really, really like it was necessary. I'll say that because, you know, I'm glad that all happened when it did. Yeah, because I got to the point where I was just so sick and tired and like beaten down that, you know, I was willing to accept sobriety, which is like a really f- fucking drastic thing to do. You know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. But yeah, I mean, like, I was I was playing with lots of bands in Chicago. I I, I like talking about this because. Um, I realized I like, I haven't talked about like the sort of jam scene bands I was in even before The Herd or how I met The Herd Mm. was like through playing in these bands like, uh, The Electric Boogaloo, which is now kind of an unfortunate name because, uh, there's like an alt right group that's co opted that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Whoops, that name, yeah. but like it was a reference to this movie, uh, Break In Two Electric Boogaloo. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it was we were playing like Zappa and like Jean Luc Ponty and Weather Report. Right and, like, there was like this little scene of uh, like fusion jazz jam bands in Chicago, and it was a really fun you know loving community and nobody was really like making a living Mm -hmm. but it was like a lot of great musicians i know like came up on that scene and and that's where i met the herd guys you know playing at this place called the live one which you're probably familiar with as a chicagoan up on halstead um you know that was that was kind of the locus of this uh little jam scene um there's another band called Spare Parts that used to play up there and uh and I don't know like guys from like Umphree's McGee would play there mm-hmm. every now and then. Yeah.
1: So we're but, talking like 2010s or something like that around there.
2: Yeah, like 2009. Uh-huh. 20 2010 and like This is after
1: you drank your way through the mini bars in Europe, came back home I, and started to get like the... it. Uh-huh. It was like
2: concurrent with that. It was like concurrent with yeah. that. It was like I was at uic for a little while studying architecture oh yes and i didn't didn't last there and um was just kind of floating around yeah well it's what you gotta dropping do. What acid you gotta... on the weekends and... oh
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right fair
2: but um yeah it was kind of like you know it's, it's like these like scenes yeah. In, uh, yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> it's like kind of I can see you're kind of getting a kick out of like kind
1: of like rethinking this period time period. I mean, I brought it up because it's such it's a stark contrast to kind of where you are now, and you were facing some personal challenges that you eventually overcome. And you know, and we'll talk about that. But um, but you're sort of like getting a kick out of like uh, uh, reliving kind of with me right now. I can see like you're you're smiling and you're cracking up about this time and kind of like looking back and thinking, oh yeah, this was that was a cool fun party time, but. Um, well
2: it was fun it, but yeah like but it sort of got you know, to, weird it sort of got like, extreme. Yeah. So like it was it was that um it was that transition that took place without me knowing where it was like okay this is happening on weekends now it's happening in between weekends now it's happening every night.
0: Mm.
2: Now like I can't keep a job. Um you know, I can't keep a band. Yeah. And, like, you know, a day gig was something that was really hard for me to hold down regardless. And then, like, when I couldn't even stay in the band I was in, it was like, whoa, what the hell?
1: Because you, you were get, <laughs> like, you were just getting too fucked up and, like... Yeah,
2: pretty much. I mean, like, I, yeah. Yeah. Just, like, I missed... I straight up, like, missed Bus Call, oh, you know, for, for a big tour. And... I just checked myself into the emergency room because I was like, well, this is where I should be, you know? Shit. And that was sort of the beginning of the beginning of the end. And uh,
1: You missed the bus call because you were fucked up and couldn't make it?
2: Yeah, it was like the night before we were supposed to leave. I had moved into a new apartment and like my trombone player was helping me move. And like, he knew what I was up to and the whole, like the cat was out of the bag, you know, as far as my like using and he was like, man, like he's one of my best friends. He was just like, man, please like don't drink tonight. We got to leave early in the morning. And of course, like as soon as he left, I like went and got a bottle and then I like woke up at like four in the morning and realized that like all of my stuff was like locked in the basement of the club that we had played last. And so I was like totally fucked, you know? So it was just, um, I was like, man, I'm just checking myself into the emergency room. Like I'm going to go to, uh, Hinsdale and I'm going to go to detox. And that was my first time going through that. It was not my last time, but it was like, I really see that as sort of the beginning of the path to like, actually not doing that anymore. Yeah, Um,
1: That's brave to go and just like, do that. have at least, you know, you had the presence of mind to go and say, I need to fucking take care of myself.
2: I, I, that's true, but it was also, it was also like, To be perfectly honest, it was trying to save my own ass from the wrath of my band
0: Mm -hmm.
2: when I showed up to bus call without any equipment. And I was so terrified of that prospect that I was like, I may as well make this call from the hospital, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) so it looks like I'm doing something about this. Yeah. And... You know, that unleashed like a whole torrent of, you know, I, I like that was a hard time on them because they had yeah. to go on that tour without a keyboard player. <laughs> yeah. And like,
1: that's when just, those cats fired you, right? Uh,
2: Yeah, it was shortly after that. I was under the impression that I was just going to be like received back with open arms because
1: <laughs> you must have been drunk at the know, time, dude.
2: Pretty, pretty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was pretty <laughs> delusional. Yeah and uh you know so like when they came back and they were like we want to see you like we love you we want to see you go to rehab and i was like all right i'm done." um yeah and like and then like after rehab i even thought that like they were gonna let me back in the band but like to like honestly the best thing that happened to me was that they didn't let me back into the band Mm. Because it gave me an opportunity to continue my recovery, and I don't—I don't think that would have been as easy from the road.
1: Yeah, they did uh, you a fucking favor by kicking your ass out of the band, rightly so.
2: I believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Mike Star, bass player, is is a veteran of the herd as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I still play with those guys, uh, like Taras Horowski, uh the guitarist. Um, we jam on occasion with a. Uh, another side project called birds of prey. Oh, cool. So we're, we're, uh, everybody's back on good terms now, but it took a long time. A lot of water
1: under the bridge, I guess. Mend
2: those fences. Yeah.
1: And you said that wasn't the first time that you had a meltdown.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just like, it it was just trying to like, hang on for dear life. Yeah. Like at, at the end of it, you know, yeah, like keep keeping my shit together was like a real tough yeah. proposition. Yeah, I f- and every and everybody knew what was what was up, and so it was just like, um, it was just it it had to happen. It wasn't guaranteed that I got sober, so I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah. Pretty grateful that it happened, you know.
0: Yeah,
1: I feel you, Matt. That's hard stuff, and I appreciate you being open about it and talking about it it's like a super important part of your 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 own personal story and it's even more poignant or important considering where you are now and the success that you've enjoyed over the past several years with your with the solo career cuz they they booted you and you started your own band and then kind of here we are just sort of compressing the timeline but what was the factor okay so you did rehab I guess a couple of times is what you're saying or went that first time. And then went again, what were, or, or maybe twice, you can tell me. Um, but what was the point when you, did you ever get to a point when you thought it was in the rear view mirror or was it just kind of a progression where I'm not drinking anymore and then it just, and then you just didn't. Or do you still drink? I don't know. Maybe that's a better question.
2: Oh no. no,
1: Okay. All um, right. (laughs) Let's get that out of the
0: way. (laughs) Oh
2: no. I appreciate you asking about it. It's just like, sometimes I, I catch myself and I'm like, I, I I feel like I'm telling war stories or something. And I, 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 I do appreciate talking about it. It's like, I, uh, I, I went to rehab one time for two months in Las Vegas out of all places. And, uh, you know that was that was pretty trippy and then i got back and i yeah i, I bet you meet some crazy cats at rehab in vegas dude like, i did i did i can't tell you who they were but uh it was pretty funny yeah. uh it was it was great. I wish I could go back every year, but um, <laughs> just
1: to meet the people. I, if you go to rehab in yeah. Vegas, you have to sign a CDA or something, probably.
2: Three square meals a day. You know, you're just like taking classes and talking about your feelings and no phones. It was great, right. but um, <laughs> th- there was actually a piano at that rehab too, which was oh which was really cool. Yeah, but um, I got back from that and I was sober for like another two months, and then I started playing gigs again. Uh, against the advice of many people in my life. And like, I, you know, it was easy enough for me to just pick up a drink. Mm. And that's when I went on my last like bender, um, in October of 2015. And, um, yeah, at the end of that, I was like, okay, that was actually, uh, necessary, because I saw how quickly I lost all the progress I had made. And it was like worse than before immediately. So that was like, to answer your question, it was just like, yeah, after that I was like, okay, this is it. I got out of this one alive. I'm not going back. And you know, hopefully that's, that's for good.
1: Was that the one where you fucked up your body somehow?
2: Um, That was actually after that, which is, you know another mind-blowing aspect of this disease is just like you know i broke my hip yeah uh and my femur after having a seizure in may of 2015 and then i was like back to drinking like
1: an alcohol-induced seizure
2: uh yeah like from withdrawal oh Cause fuck man i'm so that'll I'm happen so sorry after you it's it's all good man it got me here so yeah yeah I'm, well, I'm happy I'm happy I'm alive I'm glad
1: I'm glad you're here to talk about it I mean hopefully people yeah, man. also people could can can learn from your from your experience and um and appreciate you as an artist and where you've come from is also kind of and, and it makes a lot of sense like there's there's several passages in, in your, your most recent album that are really interesting and talk about your own, your own gratitude and kind of moving forward and, and, and just accepting things that have happened and, and, and making kind of making the best out of them. And I think that's kind of a wonderful story. And I've encountered other artists. Like I I talked to Cole Atkins and it's no secret. Like she was, she fell into a sinkhole, man whoa in a parking lot she said she wasn't even literally fucked. she wasn't even fucked up at the time but it knocked it, it knocked her silly and the realization that she could have actually landed like on her spine or something mm. she was fortunately mm. walked away but it's those moments of like sometimes it takes like more than just drinking yourself silly and doing something stupid you know not showing up or not being there it's, sometimes it's that physical pain like you fuck yourself up you break a bone you almost die in some fashion. Unfortunately, that can be a turning point. Yeah. That's what it takes. I mean, you're lucky that you had a turning point. (laughs) Some people don't get it. Some people don't get that.
2: Yes. In an alternate universe, things are quite different. Yeah.
1: The heart of the matter is that you're an amazing goddamn musician, man. Oh, thanks dude. (laughs) And because, I mean, you've been playing piano since you were four years old
2: yeah
1: uh that's amazing
2: or around there yeah
1: so you're getting and 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 you've struggled with alcohol but at the in essence at the basis is you your your musical talent were you able to rely on that as you as you went through all these different struggles were you reflecting on music and where you wanted to go
2: uh, yeah, I, I definitely was. I was like, even in rehab, I was scheming about like, I uh, gotta get my band together. Like, you know, um, I wonder if the herd's going to let me back in. Um, you know, those thoughts were running through my head, but then I, I like, wasn't so sure that music was going to be my path. Um, oh, really? when I started, you know, when I finally, you know, entered this, current period of sobriety you know what you were like
1: like, oh i went to europe and these guys asked me to go and then i was with this band and i was going to tour with them maybe music's not the thing i wanted to do
2: well i just have always doubted myself you know i've always doubted my abilities and you know considered like safer paths um Mm. whatever that may mean Mm -hmm. and like I considered going, but I got readmitted to UIC's architecture program, uh, shortly after I got sober Mm. and I decided not to go. And, um, I worked all sorts of odd jobs and, um, was playing music on the weekends and I was at a new master sounds show. Actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you, Know, not guys, familiar but, with them um, they're like a an english instrumental funk group that the herd used to tour with mm-hmm. and they're really outstanding guys and great musicians but i was watching them at park west in chicago mm-hmm. and i was like how do i get up on that stage you know um and i realized that like it wasn't just gonna magically happen you know i wasn't just gonna get picked up and like put there, yeah. And just
1: got to make it happen. So
2: I called, called the producer, uh, uh, Sergio, uh, Rios who ended up producing changes. Like I called him the next day and I was like, Hey man, let's put some dates on the calendar. And that was it. I was just like, got the ball rolling. And then with that, with that deadline, which I knew, knew well enough that I needed a deadline, you know? Yeah. It's like this trip to L.A. is happening. I got to have some music together. I got to have some guys together. So that just got the ball rolling and then the rest kind of fell into place. And
1: prior to that, though, you were demoing changes. You demoed changes in the – what? Hold on one second. I'm skipping a big part of you living in the goddamn <laughs> church, man. What the fuck? That is so oh, yeah. fucking cool, dude. We have, I know you've gone over this a million times. Oh, no, you got to tell right. me the story of this church. First of all, where where uh, was it in Chicago? What neighborhood is that? Belmont something?
2: Belmont Cragen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, what are the cross streets of that neighborhood?
2: So, the church, it was near Diversity and Central, way out northwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I started working at that place probably in, geez, 2017. Yeah, yeah. And so I was working there like 2017, 2018, 2019.
1: Are you involved in the church?
2: Um no. So I my uh I was raised Catholic mm-hmm. and like this church was a uh un- uh United Church of Christ, mm-hmm. which is a Protestant denomination. Okay. And um my friend Dom, who who's a a great friend great musician uh was leaving the position as like music director there Mm -hmm. and asked me if i wanted the gig and i was like man i'm not qualified for that at all he's like dude you should just you should just do it
1: what gig is it what gig is it
2: it was like uh i was an accompanist essentially
1: okay Um, do you wear a robe and everything no protestant you don't wear a robe
2: no, well, they had they had choir robes, yeah. but there wasn't really a choir anymore. I just wanted to get the um, mental picture. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a very small congregation uh-huh. in a very large space, a very large beautiful church space. Yeah, um, and yeah, uh, it was. I, you know, I had like the title of music director or whatever, um, but I. Was just an accompanist. I played organ and piano with a vocalist <laughs> every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was a great gig, you know, because it was it was money on a Sunday morning, right? Um, so I could play my gigs and then get back and uh, get up early and and make some extra bread. And uh, I really like began learning how to read uh much more competently as a result of that mm-hmm. gig and so that just set the ball rolling on a, a lot of better habits i developed with my instrument yeah um you yeah, know just practicing right piano and then then you know long story short long story long um just like coming to a place in a relationship where i Um, was moving out of my apartment that I had, Mm. uh, with my girlfriend and like asking the uh, congregation if I could live in the parsonage and they said, yes. So I moved in like a week after that and I lived there from like October, 2019 to July of 2021. No kidding. Yeah. So it was almost two years. It was it was a really long time. And yeah, you know, they were just... They really saved my ass in so many ways.
1: Yeah, really? You lived in a church, man. So what was that like? Did you like it? Obviously, you liked it. You I, didn't move out. How was the food?
2: It was great. Uh, well, the, f-
0: <laughs> the food
2: was not provided. <laughs> oh, but okay. uh, uh, my drummer lived with me, too. Oh, right. I, uh, like, when the pandemic occurred, yeah. I asked if... Uh, I asked if Colin could move in. And so, yeah, he, he would cook. Um, my girlfriend would cook, um, sometimes. And, but it was, it was during the pandemic too. So you you remember how maybe options were limited for a while there, but, uh, like it was wonderful. You know, I was essentially just performing my duties as the companyist in, in, Exchange for rent, and so it was just the two of us living there. Um, there was a groundskeeper who lived in another part of the building, but it was like this huge building it was like a block long, and I could you know go in and practice the organ whenever I wanted. And it was it was really a wonderful place to be stuck.
1: Yeah, totally. It sounds like it was inspirational, though. Did you did you write changes while you were there,
0: or was that a, this, was this, that
1: after it came out?
2: Yeah, yeah, that was that was right after Changes was released. Oh, uh, okay. So changes was being written yeah. prior to that. But uh yeah, this was where I wrote most of the material for In plain sight. we recorded it there as well in the parsonage. It was just like the house attached to the church.
1: That's so cool, man.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah. It was really badass. It was really it was miraculous for lack of a better expression. You know, it was just a gift. Um, and, uh, I remember it fondly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Does that explain sort of the album cover That sort of kind of, now that I think about it looks, you kind of recall stained glass a little bit. I don't know. Maybe
2: it it was vaguely like influenced. That was definitely intentional. Raul Urias, the artist who did the cover art, Uh uh, took images of the church and incorporated the architecture, gotcha. both interior and exterior into the cover design.
1: Dude, you're just like incorporating everything from your life into that album. It's like so fucking phenomenal that you've recorded it there too. That's kick ass.
2: I, uh, I like to try and attempt to have, I really liked, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright mm-hmm. when I was growing up Yeah, and he was a master of like, Having a building be a complete work of art, you know, down to the smallest detail. Hmm. And I sort of aspire to try and create things like that where the aesthetic and the sound and the visual aspect are all paired or like Combined married in some sort of way sort of or, or related, symbiotic inter, at least. Yeah. Yes. And there's an inner relationship
1: yes. between all those parts that creates yes. a bigger whole. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you go out to Oak Park once in a while and go walk around through it. Like uh, for those that don't know, like Frank Lloyd writes f- from Oak Park, right?
2: So, so yeah, you can go to uh, his house I grew up and there.
1: like yeah. Oh, you grew up in Oak Park? Oak Park?
2: Yeah. Oh right. I on. grew up in Oak Park on Forest Avenue. It was like right down the street. Did you from, go to uh,
1: River Forest High School?
2: I did. Oh, yeah. Okay, Oak cool. Park, yeah. River yeah. yeah. I
1: know plenty of like parents my age that have kids that went there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, Grade school. Go Huskies. Uh, yeah the bass player Mike Starr went there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I grew up down the street from, uh, the home and studio where Frank Woodwright was, uh, working between 1889 and 1909. Mm -hmm. And I ended up giving tours there when I was a teenager. Cool. Uh, so like that was a huge reason why, like I wanted to go to architecture school. Yeah. I would imagine. um, Right. Yeah. 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 What was it? it was just down in. A, oh, oh, go ahead. Uh,
1: no, I don't want to stop you from talking. But, uh, just what was sort of what drew you to architecture and Frank Lloyd Wright?
2: I don't know. I uh, it was just another one of those things when I was really little. I just I could pick out his designs for some reason. They're they're very different from the houses around them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but like you know we'd drive past them all the time and I'd just be like oh what's up with that house it it's yeah it's interesting yeah to yeah. me and so you know <laughs> then like once I got to college it was like you were almost uncool if you you liked Frank Lloyd right? because it was so cliche yeah you know because he's like the most well-known or popular architect in American history but I don't know it was a uh, You know, there were so many of his buildings in Oak Park that I just had such a connection to them.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I personally love that.
1: Is that Arts and Crafts style, or is Arts and Crafts kind of an offshoot of what Frank Lloyd Wright did? Or there's another? They're
2: definitely of the same period. Uh, That would I think Frank Lloyd Wright is usually called Prairie School. Prairie
1: School. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I don't know as much about architecture as I do. I studied a little bit art history, so I, I dig the just the influences of aesthetics and living within that, you know, especially I spent a lot of time in Italy. Have you been to Italy? I have not. Oh yeah. Well, I would love to go. You would totally love it from an architectural standpoint. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Italy is just amazing from that standpoint. You guys, you, you need to tour there and you need to take time between gigs and, and, and just look around. It's so, it's so amazing. Talk about like living within architecture and, and, in the, the old school city centers, it's just spectacular. Europe's kind of yeah. like that anyway, but, um, you, you began playing piano super early on. Was your family, was your family musical or where did the kind of who, like when you're, if you're four years old, somebody's sitting you down at the piano. Um, yeah. who was that uh, for you?
2: I would definitely credit my mom with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she played a little bit and she, uh, She played oboe and clarinet as well, like in high school and college. Uh Uh, um, So she, she showed me some things and then I had took my own interest in it. Um, My dad is very musical. He has a great affinity for music. He was like a choir boy growing up. And then um, he also like had just a massive music collection. He worked for jam productions, which is like a big, uh-huh. production company in yeah, chicago yeah. Yeah. in the 70s and so like you know he was just a, a huge music fan and um brought that sort of rock and roll mythology to me uh-huh. um, <laughs> and so yeah it was just like there was always music playing there was always an appreciation for music and i was exposed to a lot of different types of stuff growing up yeah, yeah, I'm super grateful for. it.
1: How'd you get? Um, did you sort of just naturally fall into the soul R and B category that you kind of are associated with or definitely influenced with? Uh, I know one of your one of your musical sort of North stars: Stevie Wonder, Alan Toussaint, mm-hmm. Doctor John, Billy Preston. That kind of that vibe. When did that? When did you discover? that direction and how did it kind of turn you on at the beginning?
2: Um, so I, I think, yeah, it was just, it's, it's hard to get like a, a a sequence, but like I was really into like at at a very early age, I got into the blues. Mm -hmm. I got into like, like piano blues, like Otis span and, um, Pinetop Perkins was another guy I liked Hmm. Uh, who was Muddy Waters' piano player from like 1969 to 1980? Uh-huh. Um, and you know that was connected with like I, I really loved ragtime music, hmm. like Scott Joplin. Yeah, because um, I'd seen the movie The Sting. Oh, me too. That I was all. That. that was all like yep. yeah. Scott Joplin ragtime music. Yeah, Marvin Hamlish got... was like
1: the composer of some of the original stuff. Yeah, Do you did. Uh, yeah,
2: he. I love what he did and like his arrangements of it too, his orchestral arrangements of right, those Joplin right, tunes, right. and so I was just like super into that when I was a young kid, and then to just sort of expanded out from there because when you listen to songs in the key of life, uh, like Stevie Wonder mm-hmm. has an affinity for so many different types of music too, oh, and yeah. he's really synthesizing all of those right. like very uh, masterfully. Um, and that's just kind of where I was at. I was just like I, I had a very eccentric uh, spread of stuff I was listening to, from classical to show tunes to, you know, uh, kind of meat and potatoes classic rock, yeah. and then funk and soul and reggae. My dad was super into reggae. I have so many of his reggae <laughs> records that like. You know, I, I have so yet cool. to even spin all of them, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so exposure. cool that, yeah, that you got all these different influences. And like Songs in the Key Life is one of like my favorite albums of all time. It's I, a masterpiece. I, oh, fucking A. What's your favorite song?
2: I was just thinking about Ordinary Pain the other day. Oh, shit. I was on another interview with uh, my boy Charlie in uh, Macon, Georgia. And he was like. He was asking about a song that like changed its meaning
0: mm-hmm. throughout my life
2: mm. and i like i don't think i fully understood what stevie was talking about until i'd had my heart broken you know or Trust like until i had gone through like a really bad breakup yeah and then you're
1: like well, if, when you listen to that when you listen i, I can't exact. i know the song but i can't I didn't listen to that song as much as I did. Like I love loves in need of love today. I just think that's one oh, of the yeah. most, the most beautiful opening songs of any of album course. ever. Um, but ordinary pain is like, and it's also it's, it, it makes it even a cooler because it's like that deeper cut in the album. You actually yeah. had to like put on the third or fourth side or something or whatever. You actually had to flip the album around and like get another the, the one out of the jacket and put that song on, which is makes it so much more badass. But, um, Yeah. I mean, you listen to the song as a kid and then you grow up and like Stevie Wonder wrote it as an adult, you know, so there's that extra added meaning to that, that sort of stuff. What did it mean to you when you discovered that it was something different than what you thought it had been?
2: Well, I, I just appreciated it for like, being like this badass funk groove in the second portion of the song. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, into my 20s which was probably – I think Stevie was probably in his early 20s when he wrote that, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about. Yeah, but, right. like, um, yeah, like, just – it's not an ordinary pain in my heart. You know, it's like this just – it's it's more than that. It's like this deep, exquisite suffering, <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, you right. know. Um, and I actually – there's a song on my record, the most recent record. I borrowed a lyric. Uh, now I can't remember what it is, but I'm sure somebody will tell me. But Yeah, now <laughs> now
1: somebody will. Asleep. But you can't remember the own song songs Asleep. on your fucking album now.
2: No, no, Asleep is uh, the song. I'm kidding. I'm fucking with you, dude. Oh, no, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I yeah. just like... Uh, I wish I could remember now later. I wish I could help you.
1: It'll come to you. It'll come to you.
2: Yeah. Um, for
1: sure. Yeah. No, I, I dig that. And I love, I, the lane that you're in is such an amazingly beautiful conglomeration of all these kind of influences. It's really fucking cool. And thank you so much for, for being in that lane, man, and just creating your own shit off of it. It's so amazing. It's good stuff thank you it's fucking, thank you it's fucking really cool stuff um what else did i want to talk about well let's go so now we've got a little bit of a background where you're coming from sort of what what you're how you grew up with your own musical interests and the struggles that you've faced and i wanted to talk you know now that you, you've you had this really successful album and now we're knock on wood back to back to touring Um, you've talked a lot about gratitude. Mm -hmm. Um, you said, you know, you, you've, you've said in your own words, I'm coming from a place of gratitude. Um, what does that, what does that mean to you? And, and why do you say something like that? What, what does gratitude mean to you and and why is it important?
2: I just, I mean, I know how like unlikely this all is for me to be able to do this. Mm. There's so many, insanely talented people who are trying to make a living on their art and like to be able to have the opportunity to work on it even just today. Yeah. Like I woke up, I went downtown and, and wrote all day with my buddy, Chris Galbuta in the fine arts building, right? Probably down the street from where you're at. Um, But like, that is just such, it's like, a million miles away from what I thought I'd be able to do, you know? Yeah. Um, what you thought you so, would when,
1: when, and you're thinking back in what time frame? like prior to you, like having alcohol issues or just after when you kind of refounded direction?
2: I'd say, I think funnily enough, I think I probably thought it was more likely when I was drinking, which was like (laughs) when it was least likely to happen. Uh But, uh, like, no, I think, yeah, even, even as recently as three or four years ago, I couldn't really conceptualize what was going to be happening right now. Mm. So, um, when things do get stressful because they do, because it's just like anything, there's a lot. A lot of things happening all the time. It's like, I have to remind myself that like, it is so wonderful that I get to do this.
1: Yeah. 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 What's wonderful about it for you?
2: Well, um, I get to, you know, pursue my creativity. Um, I, I have a, a, a team. Of Of people who are helping me to achieve that. Mm. I have a, a band that is like interested and engaged in, in playing this music and helping me to improve it. And you know, I have a uh, family and a uh, partner who support me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I have everything I need externally. Uh, it's just it's up to me to like kind of do the work internally to stay out of the way and just grease the wheels. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Going back to what we were saying at the top of the interview is just like if I get bogged down in fear and anxiety and depression, which is easy to do. You know, that's when that's when things start getting a little haywire.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you find it um, that you you sometimes tend to go back into that mode sometimes
2: yeah i mean if
1: i mean there, it's always there like those the, the, it's always there yeah,
2: yeah. it's always it's there. how you kind
1: yeah. of like take care of it i think
2: there's a process of treating it yeah and yeah. uh it's easy to get thrown off your routine especially in like a touring lifestyle because it's like go 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 like yeah you know the tour uh the tour schedule is actually well suited to like a regimen because it's, it's just, it's very locked into the schedule and then you come back and everything's different. Well, yeah.
1: Time. I mean, that's a good point. Do you find it more, is, is it easier for you to have that regimented schedule to stay on track, to have things to do, to occupy yourself, to know where you're going to be? Um, and, and I guess the flip side of that, or even sort of related is when you're home and you don't have that structure, is it more difficult?
2: Well, it, historically, yes, it's been really difficult, yeah. um, transitioning to being at home. Yeah. And last year there, there were like long periods of being away and long periods of being at home. Yeah. Um, I think this last period at home, I've either consciously or unconsciously tried to mitigate that by, you know, scheduling a lot of writing sessions and just doing Doing a lot of work while I'm here at home. Yeah.
1: So Do you have someone that you talk to just to kind of get all this stuff up and out and kind of stay out of oh, your yeah. head and stop spinning out on
2: it? I've got a whole bunch of people I talk to. That's great.
1: That's great, man. Yeah.
2: And you too, man.
1: What's that? And me too. Oh, this I'm is talking to you. Yeah. yeah. This is working for you.
2: yeah i did get together every week
1: yeah let's do it man well next time we've got to fucking meet in person no one told me no one told me you were going to be in chicago i assumed you're going to be on tour or some other location something like that i don't know but no
2: maybe we weren't sure yeah
1: yeah perhaps yeah well no we'll do it some other time and we'll do it in person man that'll be cool i would love
2: this
1: speaking of which you're going to be at newport Uh, i'm going to do press at newport this year but how how does that fucking feel to be at newport man Uh,
2: that's a real honor yeah um you know, it came that just it's like all of this is kind of like icing on the cake, man. It's like unexpected and just really uh, gratifying. Yeah. Super cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Had you, had you known much about Newport or what were your kind of impressions of it?
2: Oh, I mean, historically, you know, I know about just to sort of, uh, wait that, that festival has Mm -hmm. and it's just like, you know, the amazing performances that have taken place there. Uh, Obviously Newport jazz is another thing, but just listening to recordings over the years from both those festivals is like, um, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool thing to be a part of.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, you're flying the Chicago flag too. How much does that mean to you to be a Chicago artist that's out there in the world?
2: I like to wear it. You know, I like, uh, I like being here. I am. Uh, I like Chicago. I, what can I say? Just, uh, I've been all over and I still like coming back here. And I, I get, I get a real pleasure from, from, you know, driving home from the airport. Right on. And just being like, Hey, I'm
1: here you picked a dope this neighborhood though if you're not going to live in the church you might as well live in Pilsen I love it down there that's true and I think Dahlia Hall I, I, is the best Pilsen. best fucking venue in the country man I love it there
2: Dahlia Hall yeah I think it's we're so grateful that they're like into what we're doing you know Yeah,
1: for sure and you're a neighbor man they take care of their own there
2: they got a great restaurant too. do, do sex, sex is, is like fucking amazing I Love that. they place. took
1: the curried soaked soaked chicken off the menu though, and that was kind of a bummer for me, but they always replace it with something new and then they bring it back
2: i 'll say i 'll say something when i 'm down there i 'll <laughs> yeah, right. uh,
1: send my friend Neil down there to like change the Josh, uh,
2: Hey, just so you guys know yeah
1: yeah no don 't tell him because i don 't want him to but... get pissed off at me <laughs> I like the uh, the eggplant uh, appetizer with the the bread things that 's really good it 's the best to just go I always go to Thalia early for a show and I have dinner. And then I go upstairs. It's really if anyone's listening to this and they're gonna planning a trip to Chicago, check the schedule at Thalia and just go to a show.
2: Just hang there all day. Yeah, really. Just make a day of it. Two
1: bars that are both distinct and cool. And yes. uh, and then the venue and the venue is really super cool. Have you ever played piano, done like a tack room piano session? They gotta Famous have you like. Of
2: doing that, they gotta right? have
1: you as a dude. You better tell me if you do like a surprise <laughs> appearance at the tack room. Uh, you be, I better get an email from you because I want to show up and check that out. Uh, uh, you know, I've gone. You go up there and there's like guys and you know. Of course, you can do this, but it's always fun to be there. Like a piano bar guy, just like people are throwing out songs, and you know, doesn't play them. Doesn't play the regular version, but plays like a reggae version of an Elton John song or something like that kind of oh, thing. Oh man, it's so much fun
2: that would be really fun. And like, I, I had a lot of fun doing those types of games. Yeah. But, um, not, not quite that. I did a, do you know, tortoise club up on state street? Like state it's and where
1: like, I haven't been there. State and Kinsey. Oh no. Like, right, like river North. I tried to avoid it's river like North old
2: school. Yeah. Well, good for you. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I agree, man. Yeah, like, no, uh, it's changed so much. So, I, uh, yeah, I used to play it at, a, it's like an old school supper club, kind of uh, pump room type place. Oh, cool! Yeah. Uh, with like a seven foot Steinway from nineteen eleven. Oh shit! And me and a drummer used to play there for you know, a couple hours every every month or every cu- couple weeks. Do you, you still kind of like? Would you like gay.
1: to kind of still do that thing, or is this sort of you got enough on your plate and this is kind of floating your boat now for sure?
2: I'm just, I'm home so sparingly that I probably wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. The other nights I'm home now, but I'm open to like, I've been doing a DJ set every now and then. uh, That's something I like getting better at. Yeah.
1: Where do you put those up? Like you just like on your Insta or something like that. Oh, I'm going to be tonight. like there.
2: I recorded one during the pandemic, but, uh, mostly I'm just like, I've got a buddy who, uh, books at a couple spots in pilsen and he'll throw me on a night oh right on you know and i'll just bring a uh milk carton of uh vinyl over or a milk crate <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah milk crate milk crate yeah
2: one milk carton worth of vinyl yeah no a milk crate <laughs> of vinyl yeah spin for a couple hours it's pretty fun that's cool
1: that's cool um, what do you, what do you, we talked about Newport. What else are you excited about? You guys hitting the road like with a massive amount of dates coming up, like starting like this month.
2: Yeah. So, shoot. Um, we're playing in St. Augustine mm-hmm. this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to be back for two days. And then I'm going on a long tour. It starts in, uh, austin for south by southwest we're gonna be playing at willie nelson's ranch oh yeah
1: the luck reunion right
2: uh which i'm very very excited about that'll be totally Uh, cool got got like eight gigs that week yeah uh, yeah in typical south by southwest fashion (laughs) we're gonna go out to I know we're doing salt lake city we're doing aspen colorado Mm -hmm. doing los angeles and then i'm gonna do a day of recording with sergio out in la yeah and then uh gonna go to New Orleans. Man, we're gonna be ripping and running.
1: Yeah, yeah. I gotta do some like really cool covers down in New Orleans. Not that you don't do cool covers.
2: We're already thinking about it. We're, oh, wait, you did some it.
1: amazing all right, sorry to interrupt you. You did like an amazing cover now that I mentioned it when you were at Thalia, and I can't I can't remember what it was, but I fucking love the song. God damn it. I can't.
2: Oh, yeah. You we mem- did uh, Strawberry Letter 23 yeah, that, that night. that was it.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was great. That was great. We might
2: have also done Cold Turkey, but I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I think you did, too. Yeah, yeah. The Strawberry Letter, you guys fucking crushed. That was amazing. Thank you Yeah, that was fun. Much. That was so much fun. You were having such a great time that night. It was so cool to watch.
2: That really came together nicely. And it's just another example of like everybody coming up and stepping up to the plate and just.
1: Yeah, totally smacking
2: it out of the park. Totally can't, can't do it alone.
1: People were completely into it, Neil. It was really fucking great. I'm sure you know that. Um, and
2: I, I know, man, because it's like it was crazy. I was out at the Aragon the other night to see Crumbin.
1: Yeah, I know. Fuck, I was and in Mexico, was so dude. I wanted at, to see that show. Well,
2: you were having a good time. Anyway, I was. Yeah, but, yeah. You can't like uh, can't play that game. The yeah, like just having a lot of people come up to me while we were there and just saying, we saw it Talia. We love the show. It yeah. was like, it was super cool, man.
1: Yeah. 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 What does that feel like? Like when people are coming up and saying, Hey, we love this or what's this, how does the, how does this increase level of attention? Um, how do you handle it?
2: It's, it's cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm grateful that people are listening and that it's like, cause I was talking about this with someone. It's like, It's kind of mind blowing that someone can even have the bandwidth to like know who they're listening to these days (laughs) because there's just so much stuff. It really is. And for someone to really know and like actually recognize me and want to come up and say something that like actually it makes me feel really good. And so I don't mind taking the time to to talk to people. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Well, I was really glad that you said those words about gratitude because I can see that you're in it's, you've been through a lot in your young life and to get to a place now that where you have gratitude that you've been through some difficulties and, and that you appreciate where you're at and are confident in your own, uh, in your own talents and ambition to continue moving forward. That's just a fucking great place to be. And I'm super, I'm super happy for that. And I'm super happy to have learned more about your background. So to appreciate um you and where you've come from even more than i already did so that's fucking cool
2: thank you jess
1: um one one last thing though derek trucks on that on uh can't <laughs> hear the rain i'm a huge Tedes- can't stop the rain i'm a huge Tedesky trucks fan so you just call you like you had another dude play slide on the album or on the demo or whatever and then like uh this derek would be great on this and you just gave him a call or hit him up and he was like sure is that how it went down <laughs>
2: There was, like, one more step. So, first of all, yeah, Kellen, our guitarist, did a perfect job playing slide. He he executed it wonderfully yeah. and did, like, exactly what I was hearing on it. And um, he's also playing the other guitars on that track. And so we had a complete track with vocals and everything. And then my friend Jesse, um, who... Works with Derek and Susan on some on some stuff
0: mm-hmm.
2: for production. Um, was like I, I, I can I consistently like share mixes with him just because I appreciate like him and uh, him and I are very in line in terms of our tastes and I just want to know what he thinks. So yeah, uh, he was like, "Man, like Derek is out great on this." I'm like. <sighs> That's cool. Like, (laughs) like, you know, not thinking that it was something that could actually happen.
1: Good info to know. But uh... so it was not
2: not as like it wasn't quite a cold email. Mm. It was it was a warm email from uh, somebody who was close to Derek. So uh, I was grateful for Jesse to send it to him. But we're fortunate that, you know, Derek liked it enough to to grace us with his masterful playing
1: <laughs> i listened to that really track really and i'm good. like i heard the slide piece and i was like god this is fucking kick-ass it kind of sounds like Derek. i didn't put it together until i started reading about it and then i was like oh shit <laughs>
2: it was him that's what man yeah it was like we didn't tell anybody uh you know it's like in the liner notes you know yeah yeah, yeah. which is which is cool it's that's like how old, like dwayne on wilson pickett or aretha franklin tracks yeah, is totally. like you know just like oh dwayne played on this i didn't like that of course he did yeah yeah you know, yeah, like, yeah
1: well i was talking to dave schools who did the neil casal tribute and we were talking about neil a lot oh, and cool. he's like it was so he, he said it was so amazing to talk to neil because any musical reference well frequently musical references that you would make about some obscure album that you really liked he's he, neil would say oh yeah i played on that album
2: ah! that's wonderful and it would
1: have yeah, like really. all the time like because he just like knew everybody and played on like tons of shit
2: yeah dude those guys like those session musicians especially like back in the 70s we, we have such a appreciation for them it's like sports for some people yeah 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 where they like you know they knew the starting lineup for the reds in 1975 like <laughs> i know
1: the starting lineup for the oh for the Dodgers well, 75 Dodgers
2: you do okay uh were they in LA at that point yeah the Dodgers yeah you, yeah you
1: you youngster he, they moved to when the LA they, in 55
2: oh from 55 yeah my dad had a Brooklyn Dodgers hat growing up <laughs> that was even before his time though he was fronting but um no what I was going to say is like you know we love all those studio cats like um drummers specifically pop into my head like hal Blaine and bernard purdy and uh idris muhammad and like uh just eric gale like looking at uh, like you know i bet this is cornell dupree on this track right I bet this is wilton felder like yeah yeah who do you yeah. think this is playing bass mike it's like you know is it catfish or is it uh is it Bootsy, or you know, right, you know right. I mean? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's like they should make baseball cards with those guys. Totally, are...
1: totally. Except the baseball cards are like electronic now, and it's called Wikipedia. When you go to those guys' That's sites, or you go to like yeah. albums, <laughs> and you when you you go to a session musicians wiki, and it's just an encyclopedia list of things that they played on, and producers just, same uh, way, yeah. like uh, prolific producers. Wow, Jonathan Wilson. Yeah. Who did I have on the show? Um, whose album was produced by Jonathan Wilson. Um, God, I, I don't want to say, because I don't want to fuck that up, but wow, he's produced so many different albums and you just go there and you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Holy shit, look at all this stuff. It's just amazing. But yeah, baseball cards, perfect analogy. Yeah, You know, you flipped mm. it on the back and you have all the stats and like, yeah, totally,
2: totally. Got to start this. play for Wings from 1976
1: to <laughs> 1980. <laughs> yeah, <like>. Right, right. <laughs> um, All right, man, I'll let you go. This is so much fun, Neil
2: sweet man yeah likewise uh let's get together uh for some coffee sometime right around right around the corner i would love to
1: man i'll hit you up thanks again for being on road case dude such a pleasure to talk to you and thanks for being so open and honest and sharing about your your background and history you know there's people out there that are going to like learn from that not only learn more about you but learn about themselves and you know you just never know who you're helping or by being open about it man i really just total respect dude
2: Oh, um, thanks, brother. It's my honor to be here. Yeah, Thank right you. on.
1: Take care, now. Bye. You too. Later. Okay, that was Neil Francis on Roadcase. Wow. What an incredible story he has. What an amazing dude. Just incredibly inspirational but at the same time cautionary i mean that guy came really close to simply not happening um and uh you know he said that he is glad that all that stuff happened when it did and like i said at the top he really has a level of gratitude for everything that he is now experiencing that clearly would never have been in the position to experience had he not got himself up out of the hole that he kept digging him, digging for himself. Um, and I just really was happy for him. And I just um, uh, enjoyed hearing about his story and how inspirational it really is. You know, Regarding his level of gratitude, he says he's got his music, his team, family, support members, and in his words says, I have everything I need externally now, and it's up to me to do the work uh, internally and to grease the wheels, and that is really what he's doing. He's an extraordinarily talented musician. Uh, He's done this, and he's got this now. Uh, Amazing, lived in a church for two years, uh, recorded his uh the latest album in plain sight in that church And in the basement, you know, he was he's an architecture student, very influenced by Frank Lloyd Wright inspired by a sense of place. And that's where he did his best work. And it's another truly inspirational and just amazingly interesting story as well. Uh, That latest album was produced by Sergio Rios, who also produced the first album. Um, Just really, really happy for Neil. And, you know, he talks about touring lifestyle, um, how that sort of regimented life can be somewhat easier for someone like him. um, who really wants that to be in this right place at the right time having that schedule lined up he says it's kind of tough when he comes home and you know I hear that a lot from artists that once you come off the road um, that's where things kind of get a little loose and um, uh, can get a little funky but hopefully Neil's gonna you know he's got that support system and he's really understands himself now. And it was really, really beautiful that he was really willing to open up and talk about everything that has gone on in his life and talked about how he's enjoying that increased level of notoriety and is really grateful for where he is, really happy for him. Uh, Like I said, he's playing Newport Folk among other festivals this summer. He's currently on tour uh, dates for the rest of this month of March as well as in April and May go to Neil's, uh, website to find out more about those dates. Uh, really psyched to have had Neil on the show. Uh, thanks again to everyone for being here and for your continued support of Roadcase. Uh, follow us on the socials at RoadCasePod.com, or I'm sorry, at RoadCasePod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I want to send a very special thank you to my friend Neil Francis for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening, and I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests, or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at Roadcase Pod, and we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform, and if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up. So I'll see you on down the road.